BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We need folks to take the safer at home order I signed today seriously. There's been a lot of questions on what businesses are allowed to continue operating. But all non-essential businesses still operating will be closing. Tuesday, all non-essential businesses ordered to close by Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. Wait a day to find out exactly what is considered essential. Essential businesses can stay open. Non-essential businesses need to close. That's the latest directive from Governor Tony Evers in Wisconsin's battle against the COVID-19 virus. It sounds simple, but crashing websites, emergency response calls, and a flood of messages into our newsroom say otherwise. From the Fox 6 studio, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, and I'm here with my colleague Brian Polson. Good morning, Amanda. We're bringing you new episodes of Open Record each day, Monday through Friday, to make it easier to sort through all of this coronavirus news. And we're recording this one on Wednesday morning, March 25th. Right now, Governor Evers' stay-at-home order is officially in effect, ordering the closure of all non-essential businesses. But of course, there's still confusion about what that means. As recently as Friday, when asked about other states ordering people to stay at home and businesses to close, the governor said, I believe we'll be able to avoid that. I believe that uh, we'll be able to avoid that. Uh, People in the state of Wisconsin are taking this seriously. We will follow the science on that, and we we don't anticipate doing that. But over the weekend, more cases came back positive for COVID-19. A flurry of other states announced their own orders for people to stay home and businesses to close. And Governor Evers says he met with business leaders who asked him to do whatever was necessary to stop the virus from spreading. So on Monday morning, the governor announces that he's going to order people to stay home. He's going to order non-essential businesses to close. But his office didn't release any details at that time about which businesses were non-essential. Not until Tuesday. So for 24 hours, business owners and employees across the state were left wondering, are we going to be open? Do we go to work? Are we going to close? What's going to happen? When the order came out Tuesday morning, going into effect Wednesday, today, that confusion didn't go away. The governor's office directed businesses with questions to a website where they could submit those questions. It crashed from all the traffic. Our newsroom got hundreds of calls, emails, and social media messages. And I do want to read you this press release that we got from Fond du Lac County Emergency Management. They sent this out Tuesday afternoon after the details about this emergency order and essential and non-essential businesses came out. The press release says that they are asking residents to stop calling the dispatch center for guidance and questions regarding the emergency orders issued by Governor Evers. Since Governor Evers announced his intentions to issue the safer at-home order, our dispatch center has received a significant number of calls from people wanting information and getting frustrated at the dispatchers when they cannot provide the information they are asking for. So that's pretty remarkable that so many people were calling 
emergency dispatchers to get information about this because they didn't know what was going on. I'm only being a little bit facetious when I say this, but technically, if it's an emergency order, they're calling an emergency number. So maybe that makes sense. But no, I think we we all don't. uh, Most of us don't expect that law enforcement was going to have the answer to that. But who knows? Because there are so many questions. It really does. As you say, it underscores the confusion. Right, because people were feeling so frantic about this, and we had had basically a day of panic. And I don't use that word lightly, but there were people who were panicking. These are their businesses. It's their livelihood. And they didn't know where to go, so they thought, okay, dispatch. They probably have the answer. They're people I trust. Of course, that keeps them from responding to emergency situations, so that's why it was a problem. And that's why we got the press release. So before we do anything else, Brian, let's go through what this directive says about which businesses should close and which should open. And I have the directive right here in front of me. It says that you are allowed to leave your home for the following functions. Essential activities, essential government functions, essential businesses and operations, to perform non-essential minimum basic operations, essential travel, and special situations. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it's kind of um, it's kind of it, like our podcast yesterday where that's a very broad subject just like the broad powers the governor has to issue these emergency orders. The question is when you start to get to specifics, that's where it gets hard. And and, and I you know, I don't know if you're going to go further with the reading of that order, but as the day went on, we started to see more of those specifics coming down. Yes, there was definitely more clarification throughout the day. And the order does go on to define what they mean by this. So when we say minimum basic operations, basically, it's saying if you're a business and you're able to use technology to avoid meeting in person, we're not saying that you have to shut down. We are saying you can't do door-to-door solicitation and some other things, Um, but there was that clarification in there. Um, It specifically says the order that schools and public libraries are closed. Places of public amusement and activity are closed, which includes amusement parks, carnivals, water parks, zoos, playgrounds, etc. Salons and spas are closed. Now, we already knew schools, salons, and spas were closed, but this takes it a step further, specifically saying places of amusement are closed. That seemed pretty clear. Telling people this for sure is closed seemed to be an effective form of communication. When they said these things can remain open and it was a long list, that's where people started to get confused. Well, and if you so really these- you look at this, there it's it's not just a question of which ones. It's a question of the volume of things that actually are exempted under this order and that are considered essential. Um, Wisconsin Ec- Economic Development Corporation has a page that goes through all of these things, and it lists 27 categories of things that remain open that are essential. And within each of those categories are sometimes dozens and dozens of types of businesses. So throughout the day, what I was seeing on social media, what I was hearing from a lot of people was, has anything really changed from before the order until now? Because bars and restaurants were already limited. A lot of other businesses were already limited or closing. And there are so many things exempted under this that it did raise the question, what actually is closed? So examples of what was exempted, healthcare and public health operations, human service operations. Uh, so, for example, 
uh, when we're talking about residential settings, shelters for people, um, field offices that help people get basic needs like food and cash assistance, medical coverage. Um, essential infrastructure was also exempt. So we're talking about things like food production, distribution, storage facilities, construction. Uh, and then we're talking, uh, and the list continues to go on. We'll post this in our podcast as well, but essential government functions were exempted. So, for example, the military, child protection, and child welfare. Um, and then for exempted, or, or excuse me, essential businesses and operation, of course, grocery stores are still open. Places that sell medicine are still open. Uh, restaurants can stay open for dine-out services. Uh, they have to be closed for dine-in. We already knew that. That had come down earlier in the week. Child care settings are still open. Charitable organizations are still open. You can still do weddings, funerals, and religious celebrations, but only if there are fewer than 10 people in the room. So that's changed how people celebrate or mourn these big life events that happen. Media can stay open. Gas stations can stay open. Financial institutions can stay open. Hardware and supply stores can stay open. Critical trades, pipe trades, finishers, exterminators, pesticide application. Mail can stay open. Laundry services can stay open. So that goes to your point, Brian. Our question really was, what needs to close now that was not closed before. And that's what Suzanne Spencer, Fox 6 anchor and reporter, set out to find out last night. So let's give her a call right now because she spoke to these business owners about how they were being affected. Hi, it's Suzanne. Hi, Suzanne. It's Amanda and Brian. How are you? Good. How are you guys today? Yeah, we're doing I'm great. Good. good morning, Suzanne. So, Suzanne, what was what was your job last night? So my job last night, um, we basically set out to try to find businesses who were impacted by Governor Evers' order. And we started calling around to several different types of businesses to see who was still open. And we found that most of them had closed down or were already taking precautions. But what was kind of interesting in my opinion, was that all of these golf courses were still open and all of them had different interpretations of Governor Evers' order. So it really boiled down to one thing during my research process, which was that they weren't sure if the order even applied to them. We've tried to stay nimble, you know, and follow all the new CDC guidelines. You know, we've made so many changes to our business already just to stay open. For example, we're sanitizing the buckets that people hold. You know, we're thinking of things and trying to get creative so we can provide this as an opportunity for people to not only have the physical exercise, but a little bit into their mental health as well. We talked to Moreland Road Golf Course, who has already taken precautions um, in light of COVID-19. So they're sanitizing all the golf balls. They have uh, individual golf bays because they're a driving range that are 10 feet apart in distance. They've got signage everywhere. Um, so they had already taken precautions at this point just to try to minimize any contact uh, or, you know, sanitizing between people using their their materials and whatnot. We would like for somebody to see what we're physically doing here in terms of the sanitation process, the social distancing, how we're following the CDC guidelines versus a, a blanket statement shutting down 
businesses. What was the source of the confusion? Because I think when a lot of people think essential business, they don't necessarily think golf. Right. So I think the source of the confusion was the order itself. There were two parts of the order that golf courses and golf ranges seem to wonder, hmm, does this apply to me? So one section uh, goes into detail about public places, basically places of public amusement or activity. So, you know, swimming pools, splash pads, aquariums, zoos, uh, country clubs, social clubs. And I think some golf clubs and and golf courses were wondering, well, we're not mentioned in that explicitly. Does it apply to us? But then there was another section of the governor's order that goes into detail about outdoor activity. So in this part of the order, it says, you know, you still can go to state parks as long as you keep your distance. You can walk, you can bike, you can hike, and you can run. And then it says individuals cannot engage in team or contact sports. It's been unfortunate because we haven't gotten clear clarification for what exactly our business is. Do we offer an outdoor activity? Yes, we're not a country club, so we don't know exactly where we fall in with this mandate. And we've been trying to get a hold of our local officials to get clarification, and we can't even get that. So it's very frustrating. So I think golf courses in particular were kind of left wondering, does this apply to me because they weren't explicitly stated? And so most of them had already taken precautions. Sure, we're not a ne- you know a necessity in society, but... The argument that I found from that people were trying to make in the golf industry was, well, we're a mental health component. People are trying to get out. They're trying to get exercise. And we're an outlet for people to just get out of the house and get some physical exercise. The nice thing about golf, it's a solo individual sport. You can bring your own golf clubs. You know, you would have a golf ball where you don't even physically have to touch the ball and you can be by yourself out in nature. And we feel like this is a missed opportunity if we'd have to close. Moreland Road golf officials, they're very involved in um, the golf industry in general within the state. And they did tell me they were seeking sort of legal guidance on um, what to do next. But I asked the people at Moreland Road Golf Center okay, so will you follow the law? Because at one point in the conversation, you know, they're they're talking about talking to legal experts and all this stuff. And they said, well, of course, we're going to follow the law. It's just that what the law also doesn't spell out for the golf industry is, okay, we have to close. But what about maintenance of our facilities? Because the golf industry in particular, requires a lot of maintenance. So I think that the the PGA, you know, oversight committees and all those different people who regulate the golf industry and, and all of that um, want to know that answer too. They want to know, okay, well, if we do have to close our doors, can we still maintain our facilities? So undoubtedly, I think the golf industry in particular has a lot of questions that other people do too. But I think for them, it was just a, a big source of confusion because they didn't know where to go for their questions. And one of them, the people at Moreland Road had asked me, they said, you know, we've been going to our state officials and they're not telling us answers. And so I think that also it's been confusing for them just because they don't know who to turn to. So I had gotten clarity by that point from the WEDC that public golf courses and golf ranges uh, had to close their doors. And I was the one delivering that news to them, uh, which I think for some people was a little unsettling because they want to hear that more from a state state source or state official. And I think that they 
expressed interest that they may fight it. I mean, I think for any business that, you know, one day matters. And yesterday, for example, the golf range at Moreland Road was packed. I mean, probably 75 people. So it may have been that it was a beautiful Wisconsin day, but it may also been that people knew I might not be able to golf for who knows how long. So um, it didn't seem like the golf industry in particular was going to stay open regardless and take the 30 days in jail or $250 fine. But at this point, who knows um, whether that could be a direction that we see businesses taking because this process could go for so long. It's hard to say at this point. What struck me about what you just said, though, is that because of the demand, there were 75 people at this golf range yesterday. For those who are concerned about the very point of all of this, which is to keep people from congregating in large numbers, that would seem to suggest that maybe closing the golf courses is, or at least golf ranges, is the right way to go if the idea is not to have people, you know, packing places for recreation. Uh, you know, 75 people in one place suggests potential for spreading COVID-19. So I'm sure there are people listening to this thinking, well, yeah, that's exactly why they ought to be closing. Yeah. And that's what we asked the question, too. I said, is it normally this packed on a day like today? Um, And they were taking the precautions of posting signs that said no more than 10 people in the clubhouse at the time. But it was still a point of congregation for people. Um, And they also referenced other states who have similar orders in place. uh, But these other states are allowed to keep the golf courses open, but eliminating points of contact. So eliminating a cart, for example. So people could walk the course on their own. Um, and just not have contact with, you know, golf equipment. So I think that was another question of why are we so quick to close all of this and, and hurt all of our businesses when it is a sport, it is something that people can get exercise doing. So I think we'll see a lot of questions from the golf community come into play here in the coming days and months. All right, that's Suzanne Spencer, Fox 6 anchor and reporter. Thank you, Suzanne. I know this is earlier than you typically wake up because you work a night shift. We appreciate you taking us through all of that. No problem. Thanks, guys. So, you know, she talks about golf courses, and they have all of these reasons why they think they should be able to stay open, and and they make, you know, in some cases, maybe compelling arguments that they they could offer that uh, mental health break for people and and that they, uh, you know, especially at a time when everyone's feeling so cooped up and that this is so important to their business model and, and to staying open. But I feel like there's a lot of industries that could make that argument right now, a lot of businesses that could say, well, we could take precautions too. We're wiping things down. We're limiting people. And this is really important to our livelihoods and, and may be important to our customers for their mental health. It's an argument that can be made. But it really comes down for a lot of people, I think, to the question of just doing sort of the right thing to protect people from the spread of this virus. And and I know we're going to be talking about this later in the week, but I've interviewed grocery store workers who are on the front lines of this. They're essential, but they're concerned about the number of people they're coming in contact with. And one gentleman I spoke to in particular works at a convenience store, and he said, I get it. We're essential because we have groceries, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to come in and pick up a Diet Coke Um, just because you feel like it, you know, come in if you need to, if there's essential things you need to get, but don't unnecessarily expose yourself and others just because we happen to be open. We happen to fall under the exemption and it's convenient for you and you feel like getting out of the house. I think that applies to a lot of this is it really comes down to that sense of just using common sense. 
Exactly. A lot of it does come down to common sense. And you bring up a great point, Brian. Even essential businesses can be used in a non-essential way. And what we're supposed to be doing right now is cutting down on the non-essential. I do think we should point out that this is a conversation happening all over the country. Wisconsin is not the only state to do this. Other states have rolled out these orders for certain businesses to shut down. And there's been confusion in those states too. Actually, Wisconsin's order was far more specific than some other states I've seen. Pennsylvania, originally when they rolled out the businesses that were going to need to close, they were more vague categories. They had to walk some things back. They accidentally closed laundromats. There was a big fight about whether they closed gun stores. Originally they were going to. The governor ended up walking that back and quietly allowing them to reopen for certain purposes. So there's a lot of confusion that happens whenever something like this is rolled out. I did specifically ask the governor's office, why'd you do it this way? Why did you announce that you were going to be making these closures and then wait 24 hours to release your definitions of essential or non-essential? How are people supposed to prepare which is the purpose for making an early announcement, if they don't know what category their business falls into. And the governor's staff said, look, we wanted to be transparent. We didn't want to be keeping this to ourselves. We knew we were going to do it. We just didn't know what businesses were essential. And we needed to take that time to make sure we got it right. We looked at what other states did, and we wanted to avoid some of that confusion. Obviously, they didn't avoid that confusion, but that was the rationale for why they did it the way they did. It's kind of a case of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you swoop in with all of these announcements about what's essential and what's non-essential and people are taken by surprise, then that can be an issue as well. So there's a lot that goes into this. And I'm sure we'll be covering more confusion in the days and weeks to come, Brian. We are in uncharted territory. There's no doubt about that. And and you and I, Amanda, could probably sit and talk about this all day long. There are so many elements But it does take time to prepare these things each day. We're getting up earlier. We're starting these recordings because we want people to to get some of this analysis. But I I know that you spent a lot of time preparing and putting these things together. So I thank you for that. We're going to continue bringing you more frequent episodes of Open Record. This weekly podcast has become a daily podcast as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, if you want us to dig further into something, something we should investigate, please send us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. Specifically tell us this is something you want us to talk about on open record. Again, the email is theinvestigators at fox6now.com. And thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record. If you haven't already, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire here with Brian Polson, and we will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow.